0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, it's 9.07 a.m. Central Standard Time, March the 8th, 2019. This is episode 72 of Bitcoin and And first thing up, I got an announcement. I'm not going to be cutting episodes for spring break. I'm going to take my kids, and we're going to go and see my sister up in uh, north central Texas area. Should be fun. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. Kids are excited. I'm excited. This will be, this should be epic. You know, I mean, come on. You got to, you know a couple of little kids. You got to take them to the Dal- to the Metroplex, right? Dallas area. There's got to be all manner of stuff to do. And if I can get away from it, I'm going to try not to uh get them into Six Flags because both of them are too short to ride any roller coasters. And that's just going to you want to talk about being able to piss your kid off? Take them to an amusement park and they can't ride half of the rides. That is a good way to have a bad freaking day. All right, so um, starting on March the 11th, I'm going to rerun the first, f- not the first five shows. Uh, starting with, I believe it's going to be episode what ended up being episode three because there was a a couple of test episodes and I didn't really get locked into doing anything until I think the the third one. So it's going to be it's going to be titled episode one because that's when I really. Uh, kind of decided on a name and stuff like that in either event. Um, these are the earliest episodes that I did. So they're cut in a car. Okay. I'm, I'm actually recording on, um, Oh, the little microphone that comes with your, uh, with your ear pods, uh, from a iPhone. It's not terrible, but there is road noise. I do run over a couple of, you know, uh, things in the road so that you'll, you'll hear a couple of bumps and stuff like that. But more importantly is the content of the show is, of those shows are greatly different than what I've been doing lately. I want to get back to that, but you know, this is an organic process. I'm going to let it be organic on how this, how this show develops. I don't know where it's going to go. And I kind of like that. I think most, you know, a lot of people would be like going, yeah, you don't really want to do that. But, dude, it's it's the way I work. I've been, you know, everything that I've done is always about the adventure and see, you know, sort of see what comes next. Not that that makes me happy all the time. Uh, some of those adventures suck mightily. In either event, you're going to get more, uh, more permaculture-y stuff out of this. Um, there's a show where I talk you know, a lot about a plant called comfrey. Um, if you're interested in, you know, plants and stuff like that, you're going to get some, I'm going to, there's another show where I talk about how to use bamboo, uh, as a quick, uh, sunscreen for areas in your yard. Uh, there's a one where I talk about 3d modeling. There's another, I talk about, uh, Ultima online and how it's, if you've ever, if, I mean, that was, I mean, we're talking, uh, video game on Matt, you know, MMOs that are like from back in the freaking day. I'm talking like, I think that thing was released in the late nineties and I played it pretty much can, you know, consistently for about four years. And, um, one of the things that happened was the economy got crushed. I mean, damn near from the outset. And, um, in all these episodes, I kind of try to tie, you know, something about about it back to uh, Bitcoin. In some cases, it's you know it's done okay. In other cases, it's not done well at all. But like I said, man, this is an organic process to figure out where this show is going to go. And I'm just, I just don't feel like directing traffic on that is the best best idea. I want to let this thing just kind of naturally figure itself out. Because you can do that. For those of you who are stuck in the rut of you have to have your mitts on everything and control the living shit out of everything. That's for some people and it works well. Eh, you know what? I'm going to be honest with myself. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really work well for me because you just suck all the life out of shit, right? Any, in either event, so from uh, starting Monday the 11th through uh, uh, Friday the 15th, Uh you'll get uh Twitter notifications. Uh so like okay, if you listen to this one, uh when a new show pops up, you're it would it's only gonna come up through Twitter. It's not gonna repopulate itself in my um in my podcast list. So if you're using like something like Overcast or something like that, it's not gonna pop up as a new show. Um I just, you know, I just didn't I don't know, I just Feel like it's better to point people back to the show, uh, to the original show that's already uploaded, instead of you know like re-uploading it as another show and, and taking up the uh, the band not the bandwidth but you know memory space. Uh, I just uh, yeah yeah I I I know memory is cheap, but I just want to do it this way. In either event. Uh, for those of you who don't know how to get a hold of me on Twitter, for some reason, it's at b e n n d seventy seven, and I've got it. I've got um, my. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of tweets scheduled to come out pretty much every three hours, starting at six a.m. It will have a link to that day's show. All right, so getting into today's show. Uh, let's get into the morning roundup. How's that? And if I can find where my space was to start. Here we go. So yeah, today's show is brought to you by Ripple, the bank we never knew we didn't need. <laughs> I just love the way that rolls off the tongue. And that is given to us by at GB Pinecone with a K. K O N E and, uh, yeah, XRP, the bank. We never knew we didn't need. I love that. I love that as a tagline. I love it. Absolutely. Awesome, dude, because it speaks so much truth. Um, honey miner. Uh, the only reason I'm going to bring this up is because whoever is handling the honey miner, um, Twitter account and their social media is freaking brilliant. Uh and it's not just it's clearly it's, it it may be the same person, but kudos also has to go to whoever's doing the art that is being tweeted out. Um because it's 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 astounding. They've they've announced uh Honey Miner is available now for Mac. Okay. So in um in doing that, when they released this, they've released a picture. And they've also, in, in case you haven't seen it, they've also changed their uh, uh, their Twitter their Twitter avatar to this bear with glasses wearing a black turtleneck, a la um, Steve Jobs. Um, and then they've also got um, the uh, hexagon with the colors of the rainbow and a little uh, pickaxe in there, and it says... The logo underneath that logo says Mine Different, which is a throwback to some of the older uh, Apple uh, product, uh, Apple Macintosh commercials. Anyway, the artwork is is pretty awesome, man. So hats off to whoever is, is uh, kind of responsible for doing the marketing and, pub- you know, not public relations, but at least marketing and art and, uh, getting these, uh, getting these really neat pieces out there. Honey miners developing into what looks to be a really, really cool, um, really cool little deal there. All right. Getting on up. Uh, we've got a guy named Jessic, uh, Alexander at S A S A Jessic, J E -S S I C all one word. Um, he's got, he's got a tweet that is in response to what should be a daily train wrecked, but isn't. But it's uh, um, it is Roger K. Ver, who owns at Bitcoin on Twitter. And I we're can't you no, know, nobody can prove it. He won't ever say it, but I mean, come on, guys. Whatever. So this is in, in reply to um, a couple of tweets. One was the first tweet from Bitcoin or at Bitcoin was uh, the, a picture of Samson Mao saying, "Bitcoin is just a horrible, horrible payment system." Samson Mao, Blockstream C.S.O. and Bitcoin at Bitcoin says, "Yes, he actually said this." And if he believes this, why are they building Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin? <sighs> Jessica Alexander comes back and says, because Lightning Network is a perfect payment system for Bitcoin, fast invoice-based, millions of transactions per second, what is your question? And Bitcoin replies, how is being invoice-based an improvement? It adds more complexity. The invoices expire and parties have to be online at the same time. Far from perfect. And then Jessic posts this most amazing video where he's on his phone and he's got lightning network up and it's it's an app that he wrote and I'm not so I don't know the name of it and I don't know how to get a hold of it but this whole thing's going to be in my stack but he essentially creates a lightning invoice on his phone and then sends it to a printer very much like Azteco where you're it's essentially at this point he's turned this invoice into a voucher <laughs> with the QR code on it, and you could just give it to somebody and and they can scan the damn the damn invoice and the 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 invoice at that point, the invoice doesn't really expire because the whole invoice is written on paper and hasn't been active on the Lightning Network and won't be active on the Lightning Network until this invoice is actually pushed to the actual Lightning Network itself. It looks to me that Jessic has built something that will you know, basically make the invoice, but it doesn't go live until you give somebody this printed slip of paper, they scan the QR code into their phone, and then do whatever they're going to do on the Lightning Network with it, which basically – and he's got the uh, – uh, on that tweet that he sends to at, at Bitcoin, uh, it just says, watch video and learn. I reached out to Jessic um, on Twitter and asked uh, if there was any other information about this, this app and exactly what it's doing, like a write-up or anything like that. And he basically just said that I made a test application myself. I use a Chinese Bluetooth printer, uh, mini POS and the eclair wallet. I really wish Jessica would write up a, you know, I mean, not that I'm sure Jessica is busy, but a write up on exactly how this works, exactly what it's doing. Because when we infer what we think is going on without somebody actually telling us what's going on, um, <sighs> You know, things, yeah, it, it, it can get messy. So, Jessic, if, if you do happen to be listening to this podcast, please, please do us all a favor and write this thing up. Give us more information about this because this just looks freaking cool. Uh, again, all of these things that I'm covering in my in the podcast today are going to be in my curated Twitter timeline. A link to that is in the show notes, uh, as always. So if you want to go look at this video, it's gonna be in uh, in in my curated Twitter timeline, and you won't have to scroll through it very far to get to get to it. But look for at s a s a j e s i c. That is gonna be for Jessica Alexander. Next up, uh, invoiceless uh, lightning payments with Sphinx, and this is kind of attaching to the whole. Um, that whole at Bitcoin uh thing that I was just talking about, where it was like invoices that expire. This was yet another reply to at Bitcoin's ludicrous piles of BS that they're always putting out. This is a, this is written by uh Matoshi. Uh to get to get yeah matoshi is gonna be at m a t t o s h i n uh on lightning uh invoiceless lightning payments with sphinx so this is kind of going on uh extending a little bit more about the idiocy of the bit of the at bitcoin tweet talking about lightning uh invoices and how cumbersome and and experiential they are and what okay so this is Invoiceless lightning payments with Sphinx. In the unending deluge of innovation on the various lightning network implementations, another hugely significant step towards a streamlined payments infrastructure has been made. That is the release of Sphinx. For a system that's often attacked for being vaporware, Things seem to be going pretty well on the Lightning Network front. From software solutions like BTC Pay Server and Open Node facilitating merchant adoption, to end-user wallets like Wallet of Satoshi or Zap, the second-layer ecosystem is slowly but surely establishing itself. As you may know, Lightning payments function differently from their base-layer progenitors. While well, all you need for an on-chain transfer is the requisite amount of funds and the desired address to send them to, Lightning payments require that the receiver generate a single-use invoice, which the Sender uses, oh, then uses to move their Satoshis. This can be somewhat cumbersome. With the implementation of Sphinx, however, the reliance of invoices could very well come to an end. At Roast Beef, CTO of Lightning Labs, added the commit to GitHub that would grant individuals the ability to send spontaneous payments directly to each other, removing the invoicing step from the equation. Quote In this commit, we add new features to INCLI send payment and the RPC the ability to send a payment to a destination without first needing to have an invoice. This allows users to start exploring a new set of use cases that benefits from this type of spontaneous payment. The payment can also carry additional application-specific data, such as an account ID, API call, etc. Though still in a work of progress, the new feature is fully operational and can be used by parties today. This is only a draft implementation, and while it works today on mainnet, out of the box, if both sides are upgraded, much of this will likely change. Notably, the modifications in the link are very hacky and will likely be refactored in preparation of AMP and the like. As upgrades go... Sphinx is undoubtedly an important addition to the code, such integrations are crucial to rendering Lightning even more flexible and opening the door to a wider assortment of use cases. And that's going to do it for that. Uh, Getting on up into the stack, we've got a story from Bitcoin Magazine about the whole Neutrino thing. But this is a little different because uh, Colin Harper at A-S-L-L-A-Y-H-O-D-L-I-N-G has written this article on March the 6th entitled Coinbase Purchase Neutrino for $13 million acquisition contract shows. Cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase purchased controversial Italian software service provider Neutrino for $13.5 million, a copy of legal documents dated February the 15th, 2019, and shared with Bitcoin magazine reveals. The hard numbers of the acquisition were previously unknown. The document leak comes after a week of turbulent developments following the February 19th acquisition. Community members, namely Block Digest podcast member Janine, began to raise ethical concerns stemming from the company's shared past with Hacking Team, an Italian man-in-the-middle software provider whose malware and spyware has been linked to human rights and privacy abuses around the globe. And this is me talking. Let's just go ahead and add downright journalist murder. All right. At least probably two. Moving on. This revelation invoked strong reactions among some community members, eventually manifesting in the hashtag delete Coinbase movement. Coinbase ultimately buckled under the mounting pressure, announcing it would be parting ways with Neutrino staff with ties to hacking team. Per the deal... Neutrino would, quote, continue to operate as a standalone business based out of Coinbase's London office, end quote, meaning CRO Marco Valeri, CTO Alberto or- Ornaghi, and CEO Giancarlo Russo were originally slated to stay on as executives until the severance. Marco Valeri and Alberto Ornaghi were both founders of Hacking Team and and neutrino CEO Giancarlo Russo joined hacking team in 2004 as COO. at their new company each executive held 22% of its shares in capital allocation the other 33% of shares valued at $8,500 i think these numbers are messed up but that's what it says okay that that's 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 hit in here $8,500 was held by 360 Capital, a French-Italian venture capital firm registered in Paris, which invested $565,000 in the project in April 2017. The document says that Coinbase agreed to purchase the units of the respective total ownership, representing the entire share capital of the company. Proportional to the shares in Neutrino from the acquisition, Ornagi, Russo, and Valeri will each receive $2.9 million while 360 capital will receive $4.9 million. On the day the contract was signed, the acquisition notary paid each executive $487,000 and 360 capital $4.05 million. The remaining $8.3 million was transferred to a Credit Suisse account associated with the company, though it's unclear how or when the remaining capital will be dispersed. Ugh capital will be dispersed to the former shareholders and that's going to do it for that few things here um, this just seems the reason I even in, in looking at this is because 13.5 million dollars for the purchase of a company like neutrino seems a little low it seems a lot low there's something really messed up with that number 13.5 million dollars for somebody who's been working with the Saudi prince and and other governments. I don't know. I it's not that I don't buy it, but it just that number seems sick and twisted for some reason. I mean, you would just think. I I haven't seen numbers that low since like mid nineties, like late nineties. Now, I, clearly, I know it happens, but generally speaking, in the tech sector. million for something like this. I don't know, man. It just seems like it would have been like $130 million or $1.3 billion or, you know, something like a number that we're actually used to. All right. Now, the second thing about this is the fact that it looks like um, Neutrino is going to continue to operate as a standalone business based out of Coinbase's London office. Why the hell? I mean, what, you know, what that doesn't do us any good, the fact that it's going to be a standalone. You might as well just go ahead and take it in house. And I would imagine that that's what they were originally planning on doing. So, I mean, the the cutting loose of the executives, which we'll get into in a second, is one thing. But to just say that you're not going to take Neutrino in house and, and envelop them in the Coinbase family and let them operate as a standalone, I don't know, man. Again, Like $13.5 million, there's something wrong about this. I I can't put my finger on it, but there's just, I don't know. It's weird. Now getting on to the executives. Anybody who believes that these three gentlemen are going to cut ties with Coinbase, Neutrino, uh, you're fooling yourself. They're going to have their hooks into this. They're going to have their hooks in it. They're going to have their hooks in it. They're going to have their hooks in it. It doesn't matter what Brian Armstrong of Coinbase says it doesn't matter what load of bs we've been fed these gentlemen are not going to walk away from this and even as janine says did they give up their shares because they clearly own the majority the the majority shares of neutrino that's very that's fairly clear in the documentation that was provided to colin harper unless colin got it wrong i mean you never know it's possible colin's last i heard is a human being but if if all these sources are to be believed, how exactly are they gonna skedaddle when they hold when they're all three represent the majority of the shares? Uh, I think Coinbase is at this point. I think Coinbase is um, acting like they. I don't know. Acting like they either just love being in it in in a whole shitmire or they don't know that what they're doing causes them to be in said shitmire. In either event, that's going to do it for that. Let's get on up in the stack. We've got an article about tipping me from Bitcoin magazine by uh, Jesse Wilms. Uh, Yeah. Jesse Wilms, you can find her at W I L L M S underscore on Twitter And Bitcoin Magazine, like I said, has this as of March 6th. Tippin.me takes off at lightning speed with more than 14,000 new users. As the new Lightning Network protocol continues to take the crypto Twitterverse by storm, it's taking at least one new app with it. As the tipping and micropayment app Tippin.me catches on like wildfire, founder Sergio Abril told Bitcoin Magazine he is overwhelmed by the interest and support he is receiving from around the world. Struck by the potential success of the new Lightning Network protocol, Abril created Tippin.me about three months ago as a way to enable Lightning micropayments without a user having to set up an LN node. Abril told us he is getting more than 200 new users a day, 14,100 new users as of March 6, 2019. The goal of Tippin.me is to make the Lightning Network easier to use by giving users a simple custodial web wallet to receive and manage small amounts of Bitcoin for tips and micropayments to use it on Twitter users need only download an application extension to Chrome or Firefox register and sign in with their Twitter account from there they can share a QR code with fellow tippin.me users to receive tips throughout the lightning network quote I realized that micropayments would be huge with lightning network but there were still some obstacles that made tipping hard you needed to be online to get a tip you needed to generate an invoice every time it needed to be easier. It needed to be way simpler. And it's certainly something more appealing. (laughs) And that's how Tippin started. Abril told Bitcoin magazine since it's launch, Tippin.me has sent out 16,500 tips and generated one, I'm sorry, 195,000 invoices. Abril told us that when Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey tweeted about Tippin.me recently, 35,000 people visited his site in one day. Holy smokes, man. <clears throat> to set up Tippin.me, you can use the extensions on Google Chrome or Firefox. Some users have installed the Chrome version in Brave, and that seems to work as well. And this is me talking now. I, as a user of Brave, not bat. I, I, no, no bat, bad bat. I do use Brave. The browser works well. Don't give a shit about the whole bat thing. But as a user of Brave, I can concur and, and uh, confirm that the tip and dot me button uh, in installation on Chrome works just as well in the Brave browser as it does native in Chrome. So if you guys, any of you guys that use Brave, um, you can have the button. One thing that it doesn't work on is TweetDeck. I really wish TweetDeck would, you know, it would. There's, there would be a way to get that button into TweetDeck. That way, I wouldn't have to go over to a native uh, Twitter page to be able to use uh, the the button. So that's the one place that it doesn't work is on TweetDeck. But that's not Chrome or Brave's issue. When <clears throat> continuing on, when you sign up, oh, sorry. You will also need to install a mobile Lightning wallet such as Eclair Wallet for Androids or the Blue Wallet for iOS and Android from the app or Play stores. When you sign up at Tippin.me, a small web custodial wallet is created there linked to your Twitter username. With the browser extension installed, a Lightning icon will show up in your tweets along the bottom, appearing after the reply, retweet, like, and message symbols. When the lightning icon is clicked, a QR code will appear and you can scan it with your new Bitcoin wallet. The process of retrieving a proper QR code for that user is handled automatically by the extension itself. Cashing out tips is done from the Tippin.me dashboard. As the Bitcoin space weathers another storm, security is again top of mind. We asked Amber D. Scott, CEO of Outlier Canada, whether she would feel comfortable with the Tippin.me wallet. The risk, as I see it, isn't because the Tippin.me wallet requires certain information to be revealed publicly. It's in part due to the custodial nature of the tool and in part due to its novelty. Tippin.me is still in beta mode. So there are some risks to users as the system has not yet been battle-tested. And there is greater chance of bugs in quote. Abril told Bitcoin Magazine that the amounts involved are small, so this takes some pressure off, but he is still very mindful of security concern. Abril said, quote, I decided to show a disclaimer at the sign-up screen on Tippin since day one to make sure that nobody was holding a big amount. I know that this sign could hold people back, but Tippin was just a side project, a fun experiment, and I didn't want people to risk too much. The truth is that anything could happen, but as long as you don't keep your Bitcoins in there and do cash outs regularly, you'll be okay. Also, let's not forget that we're talking about small tips, usually just cents. Asked if the recent bear market had shaken faith. his faith in Bitcoin. real said, quote, despite the current market situation, I think that nothing has changed. Bitcoin is the natural evolution of money, and it will happen sooner or later. It'll keep on growing no matter what. But we need to make it easier to use if we want to speed up the process. We need to simplify everything to push adoption a lot. And that's why I decided to build Tippin.me. It's a fun way to play with Lightning, said Coin Center Communications Director Niraj Agrawal. I am butchering that gentleman's last name, and I do apologize. Quote, small applications like these are good for onboarding. It got me to finally install a mobile Lightning wallet. Asked about the timeline for taking tip and dot dot me out of beta, Abril noted, quote, "I I hope to have a viable gold product within weeks. The truth is that the Lightning Network is still in beta as well, and that's one reason I decided to hold on and stay in this phase. If Lightning Network can fail, so can Tippin, which is built on top of Lightning Network, so I didn't want to risk. Luckily, Lightning Network is maturing very fast, and the system I'm building is really solid already, so things could change soon. And that's going to do it for Jesse Wilms' article at Bitcoin Magazine. Again, you can get to her at w i l l m s underscore on Twitter. Moving up the stack, got a bit of old news, but it was news to me. Um, now, I would heard the rumors. I had heard the rumors a couple of days ago, but this is the first thing I've actually seen written about it. And this is from uh, the Block Crypto. You can get to them at the Block underscore underscore Quadriga CX founder implicated as being Mike, XBT. All right, so this one, again, this is uh, yesterday, as of yesterday by theblockcrypto.com. Um, Quadriga CX co-founder Michael Patron allegedly traded large positions on BitMEX. So what's going on here? Okay, let's just jump into this one. Uh, I can't give at- correct attribution because it's just by the block. So I don't know who wrote it. Posting history clues strongly suggest a Reddit user who frequently posted about making large-volume trades on BitMEX might, in fact, be Michael Patron, co-founder of QuadrigaCX. QuadrigaCX, a Canadian cryptocurrency exchange, ceased operations on January 26, leaving many of its clients confused and panicked. Seven weeks prior, the firm's CEO and co-founder, Gerald Cotton, suddenly passed away. Quadriga CX filled an application for creditor protection in the Nova Scotia Supreme Court on February the 8th, citing issues with locating very significant cryptocurrency reserves held in cold wallets. Patron appears to have repeatedly posted on Reddit, going by the username MikeXBT. In Mike XBT's last public comment posted a month ago, he seemed to confirm that he is a shareholder in Quadriga CX. He said, we were invited. It was not mandatory. Most shareholders did not attend. In another comment posted in February, Mike XBT responded to another user calling him Mr. Patron. In April 2014, Mike XBT was also directly linked to Michael Patron As one of the candidates running for a slot on the Bitcoin Alliance board, Francis Pouliot, posted his information on a public forum in 2014, including his handle, MikeXBT. Globe and Mail published a story last week asserting that Michael Patron's real name was Omar Sorry, Danani and that he was a, quote, convicted felon who served time in the United States for his role in an online identity theft ring. Oh, God. In 2014, when Donani was 20 years old, he was arrested by the United States Secret Service for operating an anonymous, quote, electronic money laundering service. Jesus. God dang. U.S. court records indicated that Danani Donani was an alias of Obar Patron. He was sentenced to 18 months in federal prison and released in May 2017. According to Patron, he had split with Quadriga CX in 2016 after having a fight with Cotton about taking the company public. So the BitMEX positions, the connection between Mike XBT and Michael Patron could potentially be problematic because the account often posted about taking unusually large positions on BitMEX. Some internet comment commenters commentators went as far as to accuse Patron of using some of the Quadriga CX's funds to trade. In one comment, in one of the comments posted on r slash Bitcoin Markets in April two thousand eighteen, user Mike XBT said, "Close my seven million dollar long position here from six thousand five hundred eighty at an average of six thousand six thousand eight hundred forty." a gain of approximately 4% plus earned a bit in maker fees and perpetual fundings in September, 2018 Mike XBT posted about taking positions as high as $8 million quote long $8 million at 6,646 one X leverage. Why the hell would you put that? Oh, whatever Uh soft, soft stops at 5%. I allowed part of my hedge short to expire during the September settlement on MEX planning to reopen in $500,000 chunks as the price increases. Mike XBT didn't take long positions exclusively, though. He took plenty of short positions, such as this one from April 2018. Added $1 million to my $2 million short at $8,722. Current positions, $3 million at... $8,895. $8,895. i am still expecting some substantial downward movement, but we'll consider this trade lost if we break the $9,400 range with conviction. A Twitter account, I am Nomad also posted what seems to be a list of positions taken by a user, Patron, on BitMEX. Evidence clearly, or certainly points to Patron having taken some, lar- taken some large positions on BitMEX, but what's still not clear is exactly how he funded his multi-million dollar trades. I, I could guess, <laughs> I guess we all could though. Um, okay. This is the last thing in the stack. This is, uh, from the daily beast and this is different. Um, I was looking at, uh, at Zuko Z O O K O. I was looking at his Twitter feed cause he was, he was tweeting like he was tweeting the living shit out of his account yesterday, man. And turns to find out he was at a, uh, 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 carnivore con um, and was listening to a young woman named Michaela Alexis. And he was just kind of like live tweeting and I, I just caught my attention. So I, I went and um, um, looked through the feed and I, I was kind of just, you know, I was just kind of, you know, looking around and clicked a link, which led me to another link, which led me to what I'm about to cover. Um, so we got two degrees of separation And in that two degrees of separation, literally from Michaela Alexis at Carnivory Con, two clicks later, I get to thedailybeast.com and this ridiculous story, why right-wingers are going crazy about meat. Uh, Okay, so it starts right off. With this b s right, oh wait a minute, it looks like they may it looks like they may have changed. I don't know, hold on for a sec. I gotta look at this well 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 well, 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 The Daily Beast made a major, major, major modification to this story, which I find really, really weird because now. The headline says, Carnivore Conservatives, Why Right-Wingers Are Going Crazy About Meat. Conservatives are panicked that liberals are going to take away their steaks after grabbing guns. The fear is pushing people to absurd lengths to prove how free they are. And the picture shows a nice meaty looking T-bone wearing a Make America Great Again hat. This idiocy is brought to you by Kelly Weil, W-I-E, I'm sorry, W-E-I-L-L. And it looks like it was, this was actually back, wait a minute, they've got the date wrong too. Okay, so here's what's wrong. Here's what this is kind of, this is really interesting. I tweeted this story out yesterday when Zuko was doing his live tweeting from Carnivory Con, right? And I had the exact same Um, when I tweeted it out, I tweeted it out with the, um, with the URL for the story. The URL took me to a story yesterday that is different than the one today. It's still about the same shit. But let me, let me just read you what I captured from the headline uh, from this, I guess, same story. Cause now the date's wrong. Um, Yeah. Okay. God, this is weird. Okay. Look, I'm gonna try to try to do this because I'm just discovering this live. I'm discovering it live on air. All right. Yesterday, the headline looked like this: the insane meat-only diet, these mega carnivores are peddling. The carnivore diet, popularized by the alt-right and bitcoin enthusiast, is touted as a way to lose weight and ease depression, but scientists say don't toss your kale just yet. That article was written by Victoria Albert as of the 6th of March, 2019 uh, posted at 4 13 AM Eastern. So now, now I'm getting a Kelly wheel article posted in August 20 on August 24th. 2018. So I don't know. But one of the, one of the things that pissed me off is that when I was going to that, when I read that article before, and now I can't read you the article because it's not there on that URL anymore. And I don't want to break, break stride and go try to research this any further. But it looks to me like the Daily Beast got a mouthful of probably from Bitcoiners who were saying, why... You know, why would you associate Bitcoin with the alt-right? There are plenty, plenty of socialist, leftist. there are centrists, there's, there are more people under the sun in Bitcoin than I can shake a stick at, and yet they tried to link Bitcoin with the alt-right and link both of those with people who eat meat. I haven't read and given a shit about the Daily Beast in a long time, and now I, now I remember freaking why. Because these meatheads, for some reason or another, thought it would be a really good idea to link meat with alt-right. Now, they're doing that anyway in this other hack job story. Um, They're really desperately trying to get people to be as unhealthy as fuck so that they can do whatever it is that they're going to do. I mean, as to is that going to happen, I don't know. But why in the hell? I mean, it's like if you don't want to eat meat, then don't eat it. I mean... I don't want to eat a vegan diet, so I don't. But you know what I don't do? I don't go up to a bunch of vegans and tell them, shove a steak in their face and tell them that their, their wily ways are destroying the planet because we have to completely rip up our soil every damn year so that they can have their freaking witch food or whatever the hell that they're going to call it. I don't do that. I, I don't think veganism is healthy. That's why I don't do it. I'm not in a position to prescribe shit to anybody else and neither is Daily Beast. If Daily Beast doesn't want to eat meat, then stop having a barbecue at the end of the year or whatever it is that you guys do as a staff. I don't really give a shit. But this whole, I do X, so therefore you must do X because reasons is, is, just, is so old. It's been so hammered into the ground then I think all of us are just exhausted. and But one thing is for certain, the Daily Beast just got caught with their freaking pants down around their ankles bent over looking for soap by changing this story at the URL to another story that took out the whole sentence popularized by the alt-right and Bitcoin enthusiasts. So there you go. Yet more cowardice from the Daily Beast and their journalistic non-integrity. My God Almighty, how long do we have to put up with this stuff? Anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. <music> Morning Roundup is brought to you by Bitinfocharts.com. No, they are not a uh, um, they are not an advertiser. I, I I don't have any advertising. I'd like to have Stakeem be a sponsor because Stake. But in either event, uh, this is just where I go to get uh, a whole bunch of information on one screen all at once. Average price, we've got a bump. Average price of Bitcoin is three thousand nine hundred nine, with a high, and that's going to be over there at uh, hit B. Oh wait, I'm sorry. The the high is at right BTC at three thousand nine hundred eleven, and it looks like the low is going to be over at GDAX at three thousand eight hundred eighty seven fifty five. So pretty damn narrow range there. Uh, about 300,000 transactions have occurred on the Bitcoin network in the last 24 hours giving us about 12,000 transactions averaging per hour 1.4 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average sent of 58,000 or yeah 58,700 per hour average transaction value is 4.8 BTC median transaction value is on the rise at 0. 0.078 BTC or $300. I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, Block time looks stable at about 9 minutes, 57, 56 seconds. 0.268 BTC have been taken in fees on a per block basis, giving 38 BTC in fees over the last 24 hours with a hash rate rise Of four and a quarter percent, we are at 43 exahashes per second. And the last BitHub or GitHub commit was done yesterday, the 7th of March, 2019. Across the board, Ethereum is 137, Litecoin is at 56, Bcash is at 129, BSV is at 67, Ethereum Classic is at 4.3, and Dogecoin is at 0.002. And at 27,000 transactions, It is just barely, just barely beating the combined transactions of BSV and Bcash. Today, lo and behold, BSV, the zombie corpse from beyond the idiocy, has 16,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. Something's going on. I don't know what. I don't care because BSV is just a pile of garbage. But I would imagine that it's probably them stuffing high-definition movies into their blockchain so that they can come at us and say, look what, how we can waste space. Anyway, that's going to do it for your vital statistics for the day. All right, Marty's Bit for Thursday, March the 7th, 2019, issue number 435, Bitcoin's Value Prop. And there's a screen cap here. It says, Bitcoin is a new financial network with a token, also called Bitcoin, but with a lowercase b. That is currently in the monetization phase. During this phase, its price is largely determined by expectations of future growth, making it expectedly volatile. Despite the cost and complexity, people use Bitcoin on the ground today in developing countries and to make unstoppable transactions online. The more people use it, the less volatile it will become, encouraging encouraging further adoption. Marty's been on this. As here's a great piece from our friends Suzu and Hasu that does an incredible job of laying out what Bitcoin is, why some people think it is needed tool. As we move into the future and how the push for cashless societies may expedite its adoption. Very normie friendly for any of you out there who have been trying to convince friends or family to take a deeper peek into the Bitcoin rabbit hole. It's hard to imagine a world in which Bitcoin doesn't succeed when you take a step back, look around and see all the trends surrounding money pointing towards a more Orwellian state controlled panopticon disguised as freedom. With that being said, Bitcoin will not just happen because we think it will. It needs to be nurtured and fought for by people willing to stand up for what they believe is just. If you freaks are reading this because you're interested in Bitcoin, that means some of this burden falls on you. Better hurry. The clock is ticking and we're facing a well-funded propaganda machine that is dead set on controlling how you use money. The normalization of monetary slavery is well underway. And then he he ends up or ends off with a pitch, uh, a, ah, a screen cap of his tweet that says the normalization of NIRP, which I can only assume is, uh, oh god, a negative interest rate proposition. The normalization of NIRP is in full force. Essentially, an immediate tax on an individual's bank deposits to make up for the folly. Of modern monetary policy. Keep your hard-earned money safe from these incompetent kleptocrats by Bitcoin. And he's retweeted the European Central Bank that has Draghi quoted as saying: negative interest rates have been quite successful. For those of you don't know, negative interest rate means that they're charging you money or charging you some of money, some of your money to park your money. No longer is saving in the European Union a thing. You can't save it. Because if you park it and you're over a certain have a certain amount of cash in there, uh, they're gonna start taking a percentage of that as a negative interest rate because their whole idea is you can't save your money. You've got to spend your money. That's the economy, stupid. Yeah, that's part of it. So is saving. You can't just say one and not the other. It's always been about, yeah, you save some, you spend some. Here, they're making it impossible for people to store money, which means they're making it impossible for people to store value. And it's coming here. We've already had the Fed chairman say, he like was stated a couple of days ago, that they're, that the Federal Reserve is looking at negative interest rates. So it's closer than you people think. It's closer than you think. In either event, that's going to do it for Marty's Bent. You can find Marty Bent at Marty Bent on Twitter and uh, get to his podcast at TFTC21. and That will do it for Marty's Bent for this Friday. (laughs) Okay, today I'm going to, there's not going to be any breaks between uh, Torchlight, uh, Daily Train Wrecked, and Terrible Joke Corner, so I'm just going to go up the stack. Uh, I've only got one thing for the Torchlight today, and that is that the uh, LN underscore pizza guys, you can find them at LN underscore pizza on Twitter, also known as Lightning Pizza, has received the LN Trust Chain Torch. And they say, to celebrate receiving the LN Trust Chain Torch, we're throwing another pizza party. 10% off Lightning Pizza today. Okay, that's not today. That was yesterday. But, you know, here we are. So, no, as of right now, there's no 10% off pizza. That was that was yesterday. But go visit Lightning Pizza at LN underscore pizza and see what they're doing. You can buy pizza with the Lightning Network. It's Pretty damn cool. Anyway, they are holding, or as of yesterday, they were holding the LN trust chain. And before, I'll just give you a, a quick uh, recap of who held it before. LN Pizza got it from MIT Bitcoin Club, who got it from Leichman, who got it from Peter Woola, who got it from Slushpool, who got it from Israel and Bitcoin Embassy, who got it from Sam embassy who got it from Zaire Sauter from Iran, who got it from Bitcoin <laughs> and I am so butchering the Welsh on that but that's our good Welsh friend at B I T G E I N I O G shout out to your brother love your twitter feed actually all you guys are cool as shit anyway so the chain went from our Welsh friend all the way to lightning pizza via Iran and Israel over to the oh my god the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Bitcoin club Oh, you know, that's that's a that's a big deal. That's that's a big deal. Uh, we are a student group dedicated to supporting Bitcoin and blockchain education at MIT 2019 MIT Bitcoin Expo from uh, March the 9th through the 10th. So that's oh, that's over this that's this weekend, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Jesus. Yeah, the lightning torch basically unzipped its fly drug out its wang and took a giant piss all over every border, starting from the United States over to the UK, Uh, not starting. Well, I mean, it started in Norway with, with hold clearly, but still it's just taking a piss over all, all of our borders that we think are so important. And here, here's the, here's the fun thing for all you cats that are like going, no, we need the borders. We need the borders. I'm not advocating for illegal immigration. All right. I'm not advocating for that. What I'm saying is that the borders don't matter anymore. And what is going to keep people put is going to be the ability for them to work for somebody who has money that needs something done that lives in another country instead of depending on, like if I live in Venezuela and I depend on employment somewhere where I'm physically located, because that's for many reasons, but another basically another reason being that, um, I get, I get paid in cash from that person. If I'm able to give them a lightning invoice over the, over the Venezuelan border, I can employ anybody in Venezuela. If I have a job for them, the border doesn't matter. So they don't need to come to the United States to be part of the United States economy. They can stay at home with their family and and consequently and for the same reason i as an american don't need to go over to japan to work for a japanese company now right now i do but that's quickly that's quickly going away that's all going away all right so at this point if anybody instead of using the energy to fight for border control what we should probably be shoving our energy into is Bitcoin and the ability to pay people across borders so that the borders don't matter, not as a wall to keep people in their places, but as something we look at going, Hell, we never even needed them before. And I have no desire to cross that border because I don't need to. My family's here. My culture is here. The things that I love is here. Everything that I know is here. I don't need to go somewhere else. You know, that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by, by borders really don't matter anymore. And they're going to become less and less important as we move forward. Because I'm sorry, but you got Iran passing a torch to Israel, which then got back to uh to MIT, which is now at a place that will buy you pizza for lightning network invoices. I mean, how amazing that. Is that right? All right. That that's going to do it for torchlight. Next up is going to be your daily train wrecked. Oh my God. And it's brought to you today by Roger Caver. Wherein Roger says Coinbase has done more to drive cryptocurrency adoption than just about any other company. We should be grateful despite a few poor decisions along the way. Don't. Delete Coinbase. Ah! (sighs) Should should I bring out his Mt. Gox soliloquy? Because that was just a, that was a hell of a, hell of an acting job because he looked... I really bought his acting job that he was being forced to read from a prepared statement to a government to make sure that that government knew that everything was okay. And if I have some time and uh, before I get into editing, I'll, I'll see if I can't get that done. I'm Roger Veer, longtime Bitcoin advocate and investor. Today I'm at the Mt. Gox World Headquarters in Tokyo, Japan. I had a nice chat with Mt. Gox CEO Mark Karpelis about their current situation. He showed me multiple bank statements, as well as letters from banks and lawyers. I'm sure that all the current withdrawal problems at Mt. Gox are being caused by the traditional banking system, not because of a lack of liquidity at Mt. Gox. The traditional banking partners that Mt. Gox needs to work with are not able to keep up with the demands of the growing Bitcoin economy. The dozens of people that make up the Mt. Gox team are hard at work establishing additional banking partners that eventually will make dealing with Mt. Gox easier for all their customers around the world. For now, I hope everyone will continue working on Bitcoin projects that will help make the world a better place. So let's just get into the bad joke, uh, the terrible joke corner. And as usual, it is brought to you from Bad Joke Cat. I hate the key of E minor. It gives me the eebie-jeebies. Two things about that kind of got to be a musician, kind of got to be reading it, you know, because it's, oh, ah, well, whatever. That's your terrible joke. All right. I'm out. Um, got showed a lot of love this morning. I woke up to, uh, being on a follow Friday list on Twitter and about an hour later, um, I got, uh, actually I no, it was the other way around. I got put on, um, Max Hildeberg's, uh, uh, what podcast are you listening to uh, list this morning? And uh, he says, which Bitcoin podcast am I missing? And he's got a, a whole list of them in. And I'm sitting up there with all of my favorite people, with all of my favorite podcasts. I mean, I, I thank you, Max. Thank you. Thank you, Max. And for those of you who don't know, this is Hillebrand Max at Hillebrand Max, H i l l e b r a n d m a x. And he is on the World Crypto Net at World Crypto Net as one of the major podcasters of that organization. And I can't thank him enough for giving me a shout out. And then an hour later, I get put on a follow Friday list and my notifications have been just blowing up, blowing up, man. Anyway, so I got shown a lot of love, which is a great way to wake up on a Friday before the spring break, where I get to hang out with my kids and my sister for, uh, for four or five days, really looking forward to that. Again, um, I'm going to be putting, uh, you'll. the only way that you'll get shows, show notifications will not be through your favorite podcasting uh, application or, or app. Um, it will be through Twitter. Um I will have I have them all lined up. There's like uh, f- there will be, I think seven tweets a day throughout the day at three hour intervals, um, starting on Monday the eleventh, and each one of those will have a link to the show that I'm talking about that day so that you'll still be able to listen to the show. It's just gonna be one of the very older shows. Uh, so give them a listen and you know, I, I hope you like them. they they are very different because this show has evolved. Um, away from what my initial uh, want for this thing was because it's very hard to link elements of Bitcoin to things like, oh, I don't know, how comfrey grows and some of the stuff, the cool shit that it does, and comfrey is a plant. Anyway, I'm going to get back to that. I got to figure out how to do it better. But these shows are the very, very, very earliest shows that I did, uh, give them a listen, um, learn how to, you know, uh, plant bamboo, how to cut bamboo corms to propagate it, learn how to do the same thing with comfrey. Both of these are really useful plants. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about gaming and Ultima online and, and where lightning network and Bitcoin and things like that, you know, where I kind of see that in gaming as replacing an online, um, Oh, an online economy, especially in terms of things like Ultima Online, whose economy was destroyed pretty much within uh, six months of its release. Uh, its economy was was destroyed by a gold duplication bug. So I talk about that. I talk about some three D modeling in another one. It's a whole gambit, and I in all of them I, I try in varying degrees of success to tie them back to Bitcoin. So give those a listen. Um, I will record, start recording another one. Looks like it's going to be on Monday the 18th uh, is when I'll be back, and back in the saddle, uh, riding high, riding hard. Anyway, uh, as far as that said, I will see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.